The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself and Bully Ray talk about the big news in the world of the WWE. That's right. Jade Cargill has signed a multi-year deal. We talk about it right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Also, in the world of the WWE Monday Night Raw and Nia Jax. Oh, boy. Do you want to hear what we have to say about Nia Jax appearance on Monday Night Raw? And we have a fascinating discussion with Tyler Breeze right now on the Busted Open Podcast. ESPN, and it's been confirmed by the WWE that Jade Cargill has signed a multi-year contract with the WWE. Huge. Yes, I agree. Huge. Jade Cargill has the it factor. She's got the look. She's got the athletic ability. She has it all. They are going to turn Jade Cargill into a megastar. She needs to be worked on for a couple of months, maybe a little bit of development. I don't know if that's in NXT or just spending some time at the Performance Center. I hope she's allowed to keep her name, Jade Cargill, because she does have a name out there right now, remains to be seen. There's only one person I can think of when I think of Jade Cargill. And I know you mentioned China. Yes. China. That I'm not comparing. I'm just saying this who comes to mind, China-esque potential when it be when talking about becoming a worldwide superstar. Um, her look is amazing. Uh, listen, bully. I can't praise, and I've praised her a lot during the last couple of years here on Busted Open, but I can't praise her enough. Um, I don't think she was fully appreciated by AEW, and I don't think she was fully appreciated by the AEW fan base. Uh, when I look at Jade, Jade Cargill, like you, Bully, I look at a star. Jade Cargill, I feel, will be a household name at some point in her career. I think she has that type of potential where she could be one of the biggest wwe superstars you are now going to see if the wwe does what they do best which is create superstars megastars household names like you just said you are now going to see jade cargill used to her maximum potential and bully i said this to you i think on the air or off the air you know fortunately i've had a lot of opportunities to to speak with Jade and to meet her. She is somebody when you see her physically see her face to face in person, you are blown over her, her mere presence almost knocks you off your feet. Like, and I, like you just mentioned it and it's a hundred percent true. She's the total package. Like just beauty and athleticism, stature, the it factor. It's all there. And I think probably Bully, 
it's probably the latter of what you mentioned. I think she'll probably spend a lot of time at the Performance Center. But if I'm the WWE, I don't show her on NXT TV. I don't have her a part of NXT. I I have her put in a lot of time at the Performance Center, and then you debut her on a on a Monday Night Raw or a SmackDown. Like she is just wow. She she's got that wow factor, bully. With all due respect to Lex Luger, if they called Jade Cargill the total package, I'd have no problem with it. I don't understand. I do. (laughs) I don't understand how you let somebody like Jade Cargill slip through your fingers. You have her there. She's a part of your show. We saw her go on a a pretty great run as far as being a champion in a streak. How she's not at the top of your show, again, that's going to have to be explained to me. Um, this is where I think where AEW maybe listens to their fan base a little too closely. Sometimes you got to just have faith in who you have and understand who you have and the potential of what you have. And you make sure that you never lose somebody like that. This is this bully. This is a franchise quarterback. This is somebody that you say, this is going to lead my team for the next decade. That's the type of athlete and performer. Jay Cargill is about to be. Dave, I'm going to say something right now and I want you to listen really carefully because it's going to be very easy to take what I say and twist it and manipulate it. AEW does not know how to create stars. AEW gives pro wrestlers and sport entertainers a platform to develop themselves. This is former UFC champion Chris Weidman. Do you want to feel what it's like to get in the octagon with me? Right now, we are bringing the hardest-hitting MMA talk on the planet to your podcast feeds with Won't Back Down, a SiriusXM podcast. Every Monday, I'm speaking my mind and taking you inside combat sports like no one else. Every tap, every snap, and whatever else is on my mind. Download Won't Back Down right now on SiriusXM, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Won't Back Down. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. 
to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Dude, I laughed out loud watching that promo from Nia Jax last night. I mean, seriously, Bully, like, genius. It was genius. And all those people that are like, oh, my God, Nia Jax is so awful. Oh, my God, she doesn't know how to talk on the microphone. Can't you see what Nia did last night? First of all, she's got me saying squashed. By the way, cancel stars. And you know what, Bully? Listen to the crowd. Now, was Nia getting what chance? She was, but she rode right through it. But also, you are getting a very loud you suck chant. Exactly. You want the people to hate Nia Jax. I thought last night, Bully, Nia Jax had that sold-out crowd wrapped around their finger. Your thoughts. You'll be wrapped around my finger. Squashed. My hole. <laughs> You'll be wrapped around my hole. <laughs> Squashed. Squashed. Say it again, Naya. Say it again. One more time, Naya. Oh my God! What is, Naya, what a, am I going to be wrapped? In? No, fuck. No. <laughs> Squashed. She got it over, man. I thought that Naya's promo last night was on par with Dusty's uh, Hard Times promo. It'll be remembered. Twenty-five yes. years from now, we'll be talking about Naya Jack squashing everybody in the WWE, and that she's the most dangerous human being in the WWE. By the way, absolutely. She's a force to be reckoned with. That's right. Just by the power of. (laughs) Oh, God. She's my new favorite wrestler, Nia Jax. And she changed her entrance theme, which I thought was holding her back. You know what holds me back sometimes? (laughs) What's that? Oh, God, we are. We're grown men. I'm 52 talking about somebody's hole. I'm right. I'm four days older than you. (laughs) But but you know what? Nia Jax, when she comes out, she's going to get booed by everybody in the arena. She's getting a reaction, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. She didn't reinvent the wheel last night. She's getting a reaction. And, yes, she is squashing everybody. She should be a force to be reckoned with. Yes, I agree. She should be the irresistible force and the immovable object all wrapped into. Hi, everybody. Christopher Mad Dog Russo here. Familiar? You should be. Well, now you can catch Mad Dog's Daily Bite each day as a podcast where you'll hear my thoughts and opinions on the biggest topics around the world of sports, NFL, baseball, golf, NBA, even the hockey. That you know you can count on. That's Mad Dog's Daily Bite. Drops daily anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can also hear me weekdays 3 to 6 Eastern on Mad Dog Unleashed, Sirius XM Channel 82, or anytime on the SXM app. Breezy, it's been a minute, brother. How you doing? It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, Yeah, good, man. Good, man. I can't really complain over here. So talk about life now for you. You know, we we knew you. We watched you. We saw you on TV. And obviously a big hot topic this past week has been the releases in the WWE. Like, talk about taking that next step for you in your life and your pro wrestling life. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, obviously not the, 
the greatest call that you ever get. But uh, luckily, you know, uh, my trainer, Lance Storm, kind of prepared me of like, hey, man, there's a life after wrestling. So like when you get into it, it's awesome. But just know that it doesn't last forever. It's like a very, you know, short time of your life. So so be ready for the uh, the call to come eventually. And, you know, obviously, if you guys kind of watched my career as it went, like you can you can read the writing on the wall of like, hey, I'm probably not getting used a lot here. Like it might be coming. And so I was kind of, you know, not not ready or not OK with it. But like if if I got that call two or three years earlier, I wouldn't have been surprised kind of thing. So um, luckily, I wasn't, you know super caught off guard when it happened to me. And, you know, it, it was almost one of those things where when you're on the road and you're just going, it's, it's kind of just a blur. So uh, when I kindly, or I finally got to kind of catch my breath for a second, uh, it was, it was, it was, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. I liked waking up in my bed. I liked making breakfast and all of a sudden like two years went by and I hadn't wrestled a match and I went, Whoa, what happened? Uh, it just kind of, you know, again, you, you enjoy the things that you're missing out on as simple as they are, whether it be waking up in your own bed or, you know, taking an hour to make and eat breakfast. You know what I mean? You just use the word that I think is very important for wrestling trainers and wrestling students. And that is the word prepared. Mm -hmm. Most wrestling schools that you go to, they take your money and they just teach you some stuff in the ring and then they just let you out and you are very unprepared for the real world of professional wrestling. Oh, Lance yeah. has worked all over the world. Lance has trained many successful students and you now own a wrestling school in Florida along with um, um, Perfect 10. What's his name over there? Sean right? Spears. Sean Spears. Sean Spears uh, Flatbacks Wrestling. Um, do you, has the way Lance trained you carried over and do you prepare future pro wrestlers and sports entertainers the same way Lance prepared you? Oh yeah. 100%. Um, I think even after I finished at Lance's and kind of even started, you know, pursuing the career, uh, I, that was always an option in my head. I went, you know what, it would be kind of cool to open up my own wrestling school one day. And, you know, obviously when you're on the road and you're going, um, the schedule doesn't allow it. You know, I, I, I didn't really trust like, you know, anyone else or a student of mine or anything to run a school. I wanted it specifically to be, you know, me doing stuff. Um, and luckily along the way, you know, I ran into Spears, who was Ty Dillinger at the time and Spears now. And um, we are very, very similar in how we think of things. And almost, you know, daily, we'll say something at the same time and just kind of look at each other and just go like, ah, that's why we got the school, man. And between the two of us, our schedule just kind of lined up and we could make it work. Um, but if it wasn't for him, I don't I, I don't think I would have been able to do it at the time that we did where I was still with WWE. He was with AEW. Um, and now once you kind of start getting it going again, it helps having someone else who has also been at the highest of levels, you know, doing this um, to help prepare the kids for where they're going to go. And it's we, we kind of give them, you know, the intro talk when they're there of. What you're getting into is probably going to be the hardest thing that you ever do. It can be really, really cool, but also just know, like, if you put everything you have into this, there is a possibility it works out for you, but there's also a possibility it doesn't. And again, even if it does work out for you, that doesn't mean you're around forever. There's a very short amount of, or a very uh, few amount of people who get to go out on their own terms or who who never get that call, um, you know, at some point it's going to happen. So when you start thinking of other stuff, think of your value outside of the ring, you know, what else can you do, um, you know, when the money starts pouring in or, or you know, whatever it is. So uh, especially now, like a lot of kids kind of get excited because of what they see on TV and they can't wait to get dropped on their head or, or you know, do the moves and the cool stuff. Um, but we just kind of go, hey, at some point, just so you know, your your body doesn't like this anymore and it doesn't like this stuff so you need to think of what else do you have if you take away all those moves does anybody care about you the individual and you know the the personality that you create to be marketable hallelujah um, right and it's just it's it's just one of those things that it's funny as uh when you're young you don't see it but as you go you go oh the the old timers knew what they were talking about. Look at that, you know what I mean? But but you know, it, it the light bulb has to go off for mm. everybody because I remember what I was told when I was going buck wild in ECW or what you were told when you were going buck wild mm -hmm. doing your thing or anybody else. But we all hope that the light bulb does go off eventually for uh talent because we can't do this forever. Our bump card only has, uh, you know, a certain amount of punch holes in it. And, you know, it, it does catch up with you. 
Um, you mentioned about it doesn't last forever. Al Snow once smartened me up and he said, Bubba, you might be the flavor of the day, the week, the month, or even the year, but you're always going to be the flavor of a certain timeline mm -hmm. in the WWE and in Vince's uh, eyes because there's only one taker, there's only one rock, there's only yeah. one stone cold, and just a couple of guys will always be the, the flavor of forever. You were the flavor of of one point. I remember mm -hmm. being there and watching your you, you being brought up from NXT, and you with Danielle Monet, Monet correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Summer, summer at the time. Um, summer, yeah, summer, uh, summer, summer, Ray. summer, right, right. Okay, and I remember them going over your entrance and like you were the flavor of what whatever the time frame was, mm -hmm. and then you weren't one day. Oh, yeah. How? Why? Do you know why? Can you put your finger on it? Do you have closure? Uh, I have an idea. I mean, so I knew once we started kind of rolling with NXT, um, we were creating something special and, you know, the group of people that we had. And again, at, at the time, like it's it's all about time and place. And we were at the right place at the right time with the right people. Um, and luckily, you know, I was prepared enough and, and uh, given the opportunities at these takeovers and these big events. Um, to deliver and kind of show what I could do. So once it got to that point in NXT, I knew it was a matter of time before I was probably going to get called up. It's just, you know, the nature of the beast and how it goes. You can't stay in that in that atmosphere or stay as, you know, the NXT guy forever. Um, so when I got called up, I, I kind of had an idea, you know what I mean? It's it's not like you're clueless going into this thing that uh, I'm not the biggest guy. So, you know, it's it's that's automatically working against you. Um, I was very, you know, I was very much a character that, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. I don't know if there's a middle ground. And when I came up, um, I just don't know if Vince saw the same thing that Hunter did. Um, and that's why he paired me with, with um, Summer Rae immediately, which I love Summer. She's great. But at the time I was kind of in the groove of my thing. And I was very specific on how I made Tyler Breeze where you didn't really know like if he was heterosexual or if he was like you, you, I was right on the fence. You know what I mean? Um, but the thing was, is that he was in love with himself. So I didn't need uh, a tag partner. I didn't need a, a manager. I didn't need a girl. I didn't need a guy. I didn't need anything. And as soon as they paired me with her, I went, okay, this is already changing the dynamic of what it was in NXT. Um, so we'll kind of have to see where it goes from here. And as the ball started rolling, I just kind of went, okay, I don't, I don't know if he, takes this uh seriously enough or if he thinks i'm too small or whatever it is um and it just never really got the same you know opportunities that you saw on a takeover or something like that for nxt um and it just you know kind of does what it does where you blend into the pack of people that are there um until you kind of get proactive again because you go man i'm not getting used here i should probably think of something and that's when me and dango found each other and started doing the fashion files and everything else that you know by by happenstance ended up getting hot again um and again it's just you ride the waves and it's just you know sometimes you're hot sometimes you're not and you you, you hope that you make enough connections along the way to speak up in those meetings that you're never in and stuff like that and um so i think it was you know i think it's just a normal thing it's, it's you can kind of tell when you look at the roster and you look at who they're going with and who they're not um it's kind of clear sometimes, you know, who the, who the handpicked people are. And I just knew I was not a handpicked person and it was going to be, you know, one of those things that it's going to take a long time uh, to kind of just keep doing my thing. And if I get an opportunity, I got to be ready and kill it and stuff like that. But I just knew the opportunities were probably going to be a little bit few and far between um, just because that was the the category that I'm in, you know, you know, Dave, one, one last follow up to what he just said, cause he kind of, um, you know, shook my memory a little bit. You know, I, I don't remember a lot from back in the day because my brain's been scrambled once <laughs> or twice. But when you talked about Summer Ray just being put with you, I remember showing up to Raw one night and they were like, all right, Stacey Keebler is with you and Devon. I'm like, wait, time out. <laughs> yeah. What? Who? Yep. Who? Who is she? Where, what has she done? Like, Bob. Thank God things worked out, but I just now remembered how I felt about showing up to work. Nobody asking your opinion mm -hmm. on this, just showing up and like, you know, your character, you know what you're trying to build, you know, the direction you're heading in, you think there everybody's on your side. And then all of a sudden, wham, this aspect is thrown into your act that you never saw coming and you have to make it work or, you know, so yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, th and that's exactly it too, is, is that's kind of where the, the talent or the preparation or the, you know, just being able to think on the fly comes into play where 
something gets added to your actors or something changes it where again it's nothing against the person or the angle or whatever that's happening it's just it, it's such a different feel to what you were having to where again like the dudley boys are the dudley boys i don't imagine like you know why why do you need stacy all of a sudden but again you made it work because of 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 how talented all you guys are and that's just kind of what you do on a day-to-day basis you know again i, I think it was even uh they had her come out with me on a live event and i went is this thing now and they went no 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 she just needs something to do today and then i think the next week i was she was with me and i went ah okay i get it well you mentioned nxt and it felt like triple h understood your character and the direction of your character a different story on the main roster. I mean, I think that's a discussion bully we had almost on a weekly basis here on busted open, you know, breeze was there a divide between NXT and the main roster for sure. For sure. I mean, it definitely, there was a massive divide back when it was like FCW and stuff like that. But once it became NXT, then it was like the bridge was at least established. Like it was like, okay, now we're at least talking like WWE's talking to NXT. Um, but it was very different thinkings in terms of you know how Vince does things and how Hunter does things. Especially then, that was like the building blocks of NXT to when he was really invested and really like, you know, they they say it almost like a, a funny little cliche now of like we were his kids, but we were really kind of building his vision of what he wanted as this alternative, you know, uh, almost to the point what like of, of what AEW is now, where it was an alternative, uh, you know, group of guys, people you didn't really know, but it was, it had a different feel from raw and SmackDown type of thing. Um, and I just think again, it's it, not a bad thing, but Vince, you know, he's, he's, he's been around forever. He knows what the biggest promotions are. He knows what raw is. He knows what SmackDown is. He knows a, a different style or a different thinking. Um, and, and again, neither one is good or bad. They're all very, very good and successful, but triple H, I think at the time had a very specific vision in his mind. And I don't know if it lined up with what Vince saw NXT as, and, you know, I knew at a time Vince was actually very on, um, you know, keeping up with what NXT was doing. He would watch the shows. Um, I know specifically he was watching our, uh, NXT fatal four way and, and even like, you know, calling down to, to, to check on things and, and, and just really getting eyes on it as opposed to being a little hands-off. Um, and I know as NXT kind of went along, he became a little bit more hands-off and it would just be more of like, okay, who's like the best people? You know what I mean? This guy, this guy, this guy, cool. Give him to me. And you you just almost start from scratch with those people. And I know a lot of the talent at the time was kind of scratching their heads going, well, why didn't I do what I was doing in NXT that was working? You know what I mean? But instead you scrapped it and you start from scratch and you know, the talented people make it work. Um, but it's just very much a, you know, again, a, a, a disconnect, yes, um, but just very different thinkings on certain things. So sometimes it lines up, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And we've had this conversation a bunch of times here that Vince and Triple H will most of the time see something very different in the same exact talent. We've mm-hmm. seen it happen hundreds of times. I mean, Carrion Cross. Mm-hmm. who looks absolutely amazing he, mm-hmm. that his chiseled face the way he looks the way he presents himself um the girl with it I, everything about him Dave I remember when we were talking about can't wait to see this entrance at Wrestlemania mm-hmm. yeah ha 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 pal let's yeah. put him in a ripoff Mad Max mask what it's yeah. it's insane how much difference they see and and breeze you know you were talking about how the the the, the territory that triple h created i remember triple h talking about creating a territory like nxt once wwe had bought everything up and they had ecw and they had mm-hmm. all the rights to everything talk about two completely different um visions on nxt where I think that Vince wanted a traditional, um, you know, uh, what what is it, Dave? A, uh, you know, minor league developmental system. Yeah. And, and, and Hunter wanted to start his own ECW, AEW, NXT, yep. whatever you want to call it. And talents like yourself and a bunch of others get lost in this struggle or this yeah. kind of power play. And, and I remember somebody saying back in the day, you're either a Hunter guy or you're a Vince guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, exactly I it. A, I see you smiling right now. Like, I'm sure you've heard that before also, right? I've, I've, I've been smack dab in the middle of it. 
Um, you know, obviously I was very much a hunter guy. Cause again, he saw, you know, from the birth of Tyler breeze into what it was going to be. Um, Vince had only seen kind of bits and pieces. And even to this point, like when I talked to Vince, I only talked to him, man, maybe five to 10 times. And all of them were very like interesting exchanges. Um, very different than the ones that I had with Hunter. Um, and you could just kind of tell like, I don't know if he likes me. I don't can know if he get, I don't know if he can, gets it. Can you elaborate on interesting though? Uh well, a lot of them were like kind of um in passing. So like one, for example, and this is probably the funniest one. Um I think we me and Dango had got to the point where we just kind of went, you know what? We got to do it. We got to go to the office. We got to talk to him because we, we just kind of, you know, I've always been under the belief of like, let my work show what I can do. And, you know, if, if you have a spot for it, great. If you don't, I will wait. And when you give me that opportunity, I'll show you what I can do again. Um, I'm not really one to, you know, stand in the line for three hours and wait to just kind of go, hey, please, can I get on the show? I, I just never had it in me. Um, so I, I kind of just wanted to go if I if I went to to Vince or to Hunter with something to talk about, I wanted it to be something of substance, not just, you know, just to show my face. And so finally I went, you know what, Let, let's go to Vince. Let's talk to him and just kind of see where we're, where we're at and how we're doing. He's now seen us work for, he saw my individual stuff. He saw Dango's individual stuff. He's seen us as a tag team for like a year or two. I said, let's, let's just kind of touch base. Now, wait, you're and, talking about Fandango, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Just so our listeners know exactly who you're talking yep, about. Yep. And um, so he goes, okay. And one of the reasons why I never wanted to like go up and knock on the door is because like, what if I don't know? And this is just like one of those like funny, weird personal things. But what if I don't like, what if I don't hear what he says? Like, what do I do? Do I just walk in or do I not walk in? Like, that's always one of those thoughts in your head. So I'm like, okay, let's just do it. Let's do it. And I go, oh, you know, Dango, obviously he's got some experience here. He's talked to Vince. He knows the right stuff. I'm going to trust him. So we walk up to the door and there's no one standing there. And I go, all right, here's the thing. <laughs> so I walk up, I knock on the door and I just hear, and I go, oh no. And so I look over at Dango and I go, what do I go in? Do I not go in? And he goes, yeah, just go in. I said, all right. So I open up the door and Vince is laying on a massage table, getting a massage. And he just looks up and he goes, not now. And I go, all right. And I close the door and Dango's rolling in the floor. He's just laughing his head off and I go, why'd you tell me to go in? He goes, I don't know. He goes, I would have gone in too. And I was like, God, I was like, of course, the one time I go to talk to him, it's that. And that kind of like sums it up, man. Like the other time I talked to him, I was dressed as Nikki Bella. Um, and it was just kind of like, all right, he just wanted to see how I looked. So I walked in, he was sitting in a chair in the middle of a room and I go, hey Vince. And he goes, yeah, cool. And I go, all right. And so it's like, that was my interactions with Vince up until that point. Um, and I think probably the biggest, most elaborate one was was when we ended up having that match in Chicago where I dressed up like the grandma and the janitor and everything else, where we actually went in and we talked to him and. Uh, again, it was very, that was, that was kind of what clued me in of that, of the very different visions, uh, in terms of, of what we were going for, where we almost pitched like the Usos and myself and Fandango for the tag titles, big thing. They were actually with us, like Chicago, great crowd. And, uh, we pitched kind of having more of like an NXT match where it's like this hard hitting. I think the finish we wanted to be like, I'm handcuffed or he's handcuffed to the rope and they're just beating the other one up and like this gritty, like tag title match. And instead, like we're sitting there and we pitch it to him and Vince listens. And he goes, all right, all right, okay. He goes, you dress up on the fashion files, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you dress up like a girl, don't you? And I said, yep. And he goes, let's do that for the match. And I go, hmm, okay. Well, how, how, how do we make that work? And then he goes, you dress up as other stuff, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, let's do that too. And I go, okay, how do we make that work? And then the Usos are sitting there and they're going, okay, so if we're change like how do we get heat on him in this tag match and vince just goes hmm maybe there is no heat and we just go what's happening here like this this is gonna be the worst match of all time and we're just like you see us all sinking in our chairs and just going like oh i don't know what to i don't know where to go from here and when we left there the usos were laughing at me because i was just sitting on the floor of the locker room going how do we make this work like what do we how do i change in the middle of a ring with a, with an arena full of people and um 
we slowly started to kind of figure out like, okay, this would be the best. This would be the best. And we pieced it together into what you ended up seeing, um, which again, at the time, the fashion files were hot. Usos were hot as the tag tiles. They would have actually bought us, you know, buying the tag titles. And once we dressed it all up and did it, uh, Road Dog, who, you know, he was very much a supporter of us and he knew our stuff from, you know, he knew my stuff and, and Dango's stuff individually and, and how we were. And I think he was kind of expecting that same, like that, oh, this is going to be your first big opportunity to give us a good match and show that you can really work and stuff like that. And he kind of went, is this going to work? Like, should I go in there? Should I talk to him? Like, what should we do? And I went, honestly, I think this will work. I think we can make this work. And we ended up doing it. We came back. It's the only match I've ever had where Vince stood up, walked over, hugged us. Hunter walked over. Everybody standing ovation in the in the gorilla. And I went, wow. And and Road Dog just kind of went, you know what? It's one of those things where Vince sometimes he'll see something and no one else can see it. And then at the end, you go, wow, he was right. And I went, he was right. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm guessing at the time you're like man, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. He doesn't understand me. He doesn't understand the character. And then it all connects. And then you're like, uh -huh. oh, I get it. I, I mean, yeah, I, I actually think that Vince was ribbing every single one of them. <laughs> but the four guys in that match are so fucking talented that they made it work. And Vince is smart enough to know if they can make this work. People are going to think that Vince is the actual uh -huh. genius. Uh -huh. <laughs> very possible. Also very possible. I believe that, too. But Breeze, listening to you and Bully, listening to you over the years, too, it feels like whenever we have this discussion about Vince McMahon, it feels like everything's a test. Like everything is like, a, I mean, it Breeze, is. Is, 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 is it is it like, does it feel like everything that's presented to you is just a test? I teach that to my students verbatim mm -hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. Everything is a test. You are being watched. You are being listened to. They're reading your face. Yep. They want it. Your face stooges everything off, just mm -hmm. like in poker. Hey, we need you to do the job tonight. You could be like, oh, okay, sure, no problem. But they know you're putting on that fake smile. Yeah. Like I always bust Christian's balls about having the boo-boo face. And you can <laughs> tell when somebody has to do a job by the way they come out through the curtain. Vince is an absolute master. He's been around wrestlers his entire life. Yep. He's reading you like, you know, like the greatest poker players that sit at the world series of poker table because you're stooging it off, which breezy. Am I, am I right? Or, or not? You're, you're exactly right. It's that's kind of what we teach the students at flatbacks too. We're like, assume that there's somebody always watching you no matter what on anything. And that can be, again, you know, uh, it's because uh, I think sometimes we'll, you know, teach the students a certain thing or come down on them for whatever. And we go, just so you know, this isn't a personal preference. Like I don't just, you know, go home at night and go, yeah, I got them, you know, slacking off or whatever. It's not that I said, we teach you in terms of how the people who are going to pay you to do this for a living will see you. And so when you're standing on the apron and you're just kind of like this and not in it, if you're not into your own match, I get it. I'm in there. If I tell you that, you know, the finish to something and you start selling it automatically, no, like everything is again, it, it, some things are a clear test, and then other times they're just watching you and they're seeing how you conduct yourself. And are you the loudest person in the room or are you just sitting there listening or how do you react to certain things? If somebody tells you something, do you go and tell someone else? Like, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're paying attention and learning because that's, if you sit in a locker room or you sit at a show, you can learn everything you need to know about every person there. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, some stuff's a, some stuff's like a silent test that you might never find out about. But once you clue in, you start to pay attention to what you're saying, what you're doing, how you carry yourself, where you're looking. Same thing, like, oh, you'll see it all day. I'll laugh my head off when, uh, you know, someone finds out that they're losing when they thought they were winning. And then they take it to heart and you go, ah, come on, man. Just, just let it go. You're good. Relax. We do it again tomorrow. Truth. All right. So, Breeze, you talked about Vince McMahon. What was it like working with Triple H? And what would a conversation with Triple H be like? Uh, Hunter was very much involved. So, like... And again, I think I, this is just me more speculating because mm -hmm. I wasn't around at the time, but like early on, Vince was very much hands-on and he was very like, he, he was almost one of the boys, um, you know, up until a certain point. And then he became a little bit 
harder to get in touch with and, you know, surrounded by a little bit more and um, just guarded a little bit, maybe, maybe some of the boys, you know, screwed him over or whatever it was, but he was very accessible at a time. And Hunter was right there at, at ground level. So if I had a question, like at TVs, I would talk to him almost constantly. You know what I mean? If I, if, if I had a question about my match, I could go to him. If I had, you know, a, an idea, I could pitch it to him. He was very hands-on in terms of like in the ring, walking through what he envisioned for a finish or where this angle was going to go or what this character was going to be. Um, and so he very, you know, very clearly let you know and see and even like feel what it was going to be like, um, you know, again, his overall vision of what the show as a whole was going to be and each individual match. So way more accessible, um, literally could talk to him whenever you wanted to, um, as opposed to, again, Vince is a little, little more difficult. You might get a chance to talk to him at some point during the day, but it's kind of like, it's going to be a quick in and out unless you're one of the guys. Um, and you're still probably going to have to wait, you know, hours and hours to get to him. If you even get to talk to him, there's a lot of times when you try to talk to him at a TVs and you don't get the chance to that day. So you try again the next week. Um, where again, on, uh, with NXT triple H was, was there every show he would talk at the beginning. He would talk at the middle. He would talk at the end. We'd have a meeting. Like he was very, very much a part of it. You know what I mean? Vince wasn't always like that though. And breeze, I don't know if you remember, um, did Vince eat at catering when you were there? No. Okay. He ate at catering when I was there. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, Vince was as accessible as Hunter. Yeah. Okay. Which, which might sound crazy to you because you didn't get a chance to experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Vince would come to catering. Vince would sit with the boys at catering. As a matter of fact, wow. I remember one time Vince comes over to the table, he sits down and, you know, we're all eating. He goes, what'd you guys do last night? And we're like, <laughs> really? ah, nothing, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I could have sat at any fucking table in here. And I sat at this one. Now, what'd you do last night? Uh -huh. Like he wanted to hear the stories. He wanted, yeah. Vince always wanted to be one of the boys or yeah. live vicariously through the boys. But then I guess after a while, he just pulled himself out. But there was a time where he was out there you know, from one o'clock until showtime. And you can yeah. go ask him any questions. You can eat with him and you can joke around with him. But maybe the workload just got so much. And, and you know, every guy and gal in there wants five minutes of Vince's time yes. to talk yes. about their push. He oh, can always. only listen to that for so long. Well, and that's the thing. I, I do remember there was a time he, he was never at catering. Like he was always kind of on his own, but there was a time when I first started doing dark matches, I think he would have the headset on and he'd be at ringside. Um, and then that kind of went away. And again, you know, obviously he's, he's, he's seen everything that's ever happened in wrestling. You know I mean? He's been a part of it. Um, I don't know if it's, it's that, or if it's more of, you know, he's, he's now, you know, even more than ever, uh, a busy businessman. Like he's got bigger fish to fry than, you know, what Tyler Breeze wants to do that night. Um, so I think it's just a matter of there's only one of him and he got, you know, that you can only do so much stuff at the time. So stuff starts to fall off. Um, and again, I, I, from what I've heard a couple times here and there, the boys will always mess it up for the boys. So I'm sure somebody did something to where he went, you know what? I don't really want to hang out with you guys as much as I used to. You know what I mean? Um, first of all, this interview has been fantastic. Thank you for giving us so much time. Um, what are you doing now? Talk about the school. Talk about flatbacks. Um, so I'm still doing stuff with uh, Up, Up, Down, Down. So me and Woods are still uh, filming stuff all the time, putting out content. Um, so we're keeping nice and busy with that. Uh, we still have flatbacks going. So we have courses going all the time. Um, you know, myself and Spears just, just staying busy, kind of teaching, you know, the next generations. Um, I've been doing some guest coaching here and there at the PC, at the Performance Center. Um, so, you know, kind of bleeding over into that. And then uh, I just started taking bookings again, actually, for the first time in two years. So I just had a show two nights ago in L.A., um, I have another one coming up in Omaha this weekend. I have another one after that. Me and Dango are teaming for the first time, uh, since both of us got released actually, uh, in Knoxville. So starting to take a couple little bookings here and there, not, not trying to like super pack my, my schedule, but just kind of getting my feet wet again and, you know, scratching the itch a little bit and just seeing if I still, still like doing what we do. You know what I mean? And again, the wrestling part is never it. It's always the, the travel and everything else that you go, ah, I'm okay not doing this. Um, but the wrestling so far has been has been fun getting back in there. How long did it take you to like watch wrestling again or or even connect with wrestling again after you were released? Um, 
So I don't, I don't know, like, and this is more of just a schedule thing. So like mm. we teach flatbacks at nighttime and stuff like that. So very rarely do I have just three hours to sit and watch raw or SmackDown or AW or any of that stuff. Um, luckily, you know, I can see almost everything that my friends are doing on Instagram or Twitter. You know, if they have a match that night or whatever, I can see the clips of it. Or if it's, uh, you know, something that I hear is really, really good. You know, if Claudio has a match on, on AEW or something that I hear is really good, I'll go and watch that or Cole or, you know, any of those guys. So I can still kind of catch it, but again, sitting down and finding the time to just watch an entire wrestling show has been very, very tough. So I haven't done that for, for years at this point. Breeze, I got to ask you one last question, and and mm-hmm. maybe you can answer it. If not, whatever. Spears is a guy that when he first debuted in AEW, especially with that chair shot on Cody, yep. we all thought was going to materialize into something special. Yep. Right, Dave. We talked about him many. The feud times. with Cody was one of probably the best feuds that AEW has ever had. Yeah. So I'll ask this as politically correct as possible. <laughs> what the fuck happened? I think it's a it's a mix of things. It's a mix of things. And obviously not being there, um, you know, it's it's some speculation, but you can kind of get a, a good gauge on things. Uh, the way that WWE does things and the way that AEW does things are very differently. Um, you know what I mean? In terms of creative, in terms of um, what you actually do and how you get to do it. Um, and I just think there's a lot of guys right, right now over there who, um, get more of an, uh, get more of a opinion on what they're going to do. And when you have enough of that, all of a sudden two hours fills up very quickly. You know what I mean? And if you're not one of those guys who again, and, and Spears is probably in that same category as me, where even when he was with WWE, we just, we just don't have it in us to to sit outside an office for three hours or whatever, trying to get a piece of the pie. You know what I mean? It's it's more of a, I got something to offer. If you want it today, cool. If you don't, I understand. I'll try again tomorrow. Um, and I think, again, just it's the time fills up quick. There's a lot of people over there. And I think it's just uh, you get lost in the shuffle. Your answer about, like, I have something to offer. And if not today, tomorrow is is so impressive and such a professional answer. But unfortunately, the minute I hear you say that, I hear the words squeaky wheel gets the uh-huh. oil, which yep. in wrestling is so true. I see you shaking your head and agreeing yeah. immediately. It's like such a a double-edged sword. I don't want to go beg for my push yeah. because my uh, every time I go out there, I should be proving why I should yeah. get a push and you should, or an opportunity where you should be paying attention to me. But then yeah. if you don't, maybe I should bitch, moan, and complain like all mm-hmm. these other guys are doing who are getting more opportunities than I am. Yeah, it's it, it's a hard category to fall into, and especially when you're around it all the time and you go, well, why is this guy making more money than me? Why is he getting more TV? Like, it's very quick, and, and it happened to me. Like, you get bitter, man. You get bitter on the road. And again, I figured out a lot of things in, in WWE. I figured out how to navigate a developmental system. I figured out how to do certain things. The only thing I never figured out was how to get a genuine push without begging for it. You know what I mean? And and again, it's not one of those things. I always viewed it as one or two ways. You come in and you're either a Brock Lesnar who like very clearly you're going to, you're going to get a lot of opportunities and you're going to get a lot more than the average person. Or you're going to be like a Kofi Kingston, Jeff Hardy, where you're there for like five to 10 years and you're, you're delivering, but you're always, you're never the top guy. You're never the bottom guy, but you're there. And as people kind of come and go, come and go, come and go, all of a sudden when I go to a show and it's a couple of years later, I go, Oh, I remember, I remember Kofi. I remember Jeff. I remember whatever. And by the time you get to again, like nine, 10 years, now you've built up, oh man, like a genuine, we love this guy. And you see kind of what happens at WrestleMania when Kofi became Kofi mania. And again, Jeff, when he became the champion of SmackDown, like it's a genuine kind of thing that takes a long time. Um, and so again, we kind of we kind of almost stumbled into that category where Dolph Dolph's the same way. Like you just kind of put in the time and you put in everything. Um, and again, it, it it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Where again, I say, hey, you know, I I'm on the bench waiting, and if you need me, I'm here and ready. But if you don't, I'm okay with it too. And a lot of times that gets mis- misconstrued as like, ah, oh, they're content to just collect a paycheck and whatever. And it's, it's not that. It's just that you accept that you're either going to become very bitter because you're trying to get things that's not happening, or you just kind of accept that, you know what, 
when they want to use me, they will. Again, I'm not just phoning it in when I'm in there. I'm going to kill it every time that you give it to me. But I, I've accepted that I can't book myself. And no matter what I do, I can't just all of a sudden become the, you know, the champion of the world because I want to. It doesn't work that way. I mean, hearing you guys speak about this, it's like playing a game of Stratego. Like, you know, you hear about like, hey, knock the door of opportunity down. But then you hear about if you say things a little bit too much, then you're you're labeled as a bitch and complainer. And if you don't say anything at all, then you're content with you know what you're doing. And, you know, you win a title for the first time, Breeze. And then 10 months later, you're not with the company anymore. It's like mm -hmm. I, I, I I don't know how you guys do it. I really don't know how like. It's it's a crazy game of manipulation, it sounds like. It's Dave, professional wrestling is chess and um poker. You in chess you have to be 10 moves ahead, and in poker, you need to have the same face on whether you have a busted hand or a royal flush. That's what it is. The political minefield that is pro wrestling will make you bitter, like Breezy said, and it will cause you a significant amount of stress and anxiety. This goes back to what Breezy said about what Lance Storm taught, prepared and smartening you up to how bad this can be, but how great it can be if you hit. Yeah. And that's, I think too, and, and I'm curious if you're the same, but I, I learned that it kind of comes down to a lot of personal preference, right? So there's a lot of guys who they might've been successful uh, and they might've made a lot of money, but everybody hates them. And when the time of your career is over, you have no friends and you, and you have no one who, you know, there's so many bad stories out there about you that you're like, man, is that really what you want to leave behind? I know for me again, like I was never a top guy, but I got to do what I wanted to for 11 years, which is way more than I was planning on. And I just went, wow, I made good enough money to where at 35, realistically, I was smart and I don't need to wrestle, but I can if I want to. And I'm still healthy and I haven't had any surgeries and like, I'm in a good spot, you know what I mean? But again, it comes down to personal preference of, I would much rather if, if you know, if, if Bubba sees that he's wrestling me that night and he goes, oh man, this is going to be fun. This is going to be easy. I would much rather have that than if he sees he's wrestling breeze and he goes, Oh, it's going to be a headache. And you know, I hate th this guy's the worst. You know what I mean? I would much rather have the respect of my friends and my, and the locker room um, and, and have that at the end of the day, than you know, stab everyone in the back and make a little extra money and get a push and stuff like that. I just never, that was always my personal preference. And I, again, I think people have different preferences. So some people want to be champion of the world and they want to make millions of dollars and, you know, make the hall of fame and whatever go crazy all the power to you that was just never my thing was always i want to have fun i want to travel the world i want to make a lot of friends i want to make a lot of fans i want to kill it i want to do my thing and again at the end of the day um it's kind of one of those things especially like in nxt at the time when we were there uh if if somebody who doesn't know anything and they come in and they go hey who's the leaders in here and the people put their hands up and everybody just shakes their head and goes uh and they know they're not that, you know what I mean? They're, you have the unspoken people that they come to and they ask for their opinion and they have the respect of the locker room. And I always liked trying to be in that category, you know what I mean? Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.